Section 12 of On the Nature of Things. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eric DeSigo. On the Nature of Things by Lucretius. Translated by John Selby Watson. Section 12. Book 4. Part 3. I will now state how it comes to pass that we can advance our steps when we please, and how it is given us to move our limbs out of the direct line, and what causes want to push forward this great weight of our body. Do thou, my friend, attentively receive my instructions. I affirm, then, that images of going first approach to the mind and impinge on the mind, as we observed before respecting images in general. Thence arises will, for no man begins to do any thing before his mind has discerned what it will do, and, according to what it discerns, is the image of his action. When, therefore, the mind so stirs itself that it desires to proceed and move forward, it immediately acts on the substance of the soul, which is distributed in the whole body, and through the limbs and joints, and this is easily done, since the substance of the soul is held united with the mind. That substance of the soul forthwith acts upon the body, and thus, by degrees, the whole mass of the man is protruded and moved forwards. The body at that time, moreover, opens its pores, and the air, which is always easily excited to motion, enters, as it naturally must indeed, through the open spaces, and penetrates the passages abundantly, and is thus dispersed through every minute portion of the body. Thus, therefore, the body, by two several powers, is made to move along as a ship with sails and wind. Nor yet is it wonderful, in these matters, that atoms so small can wield so great a body, and turn about all our weight. For the wind, though but light and of thin substance, drives forward a large ship with vast power, and one hand rules the vessel with whatever speed it may be going, while one helm turns it in any direction, and a machine, by the help of wheels and pulleys, lifts many bodies of great weight, and raises them on high with but a slight force. And now I shall explain by what means sleep spreads rest through our limbs, and dispels the cares of the mind from our breast, but I shall do this rather in agreeably sounding than in numerous verses, as the short melody of the swan is better than the croak of cranes dispersed among the clouds of heaven driven by the south wind. Do you only, O Memmius, devote to me your attentive ears and discerning mind, that you may not deny what I say to be possible, and depart from me with the breast repelling true precepts, when you yourself are in fault, and yet cannot perceive that such is the case. 
In the first place, sleep occurs when the substance of the soul has been disturbed throughout the several members, and has partly seceded from the body, as being driven forth abroad, and has partly, as being more concentrated, retreated into the interior of the body. For then, at length, when the frame is in this state, the limbs are relaxed and lose their power. Since there is no doubt but that this our vital sense exists in us by means of the soul, which sense, when sleep hinders from being exerted, we must then suppose that our soul is disturbed and expelled from the body, but not wholly. For if it were all withdrawn, the body would lie steeped in the eternal cold of death, as, in that case, no part of the soul would remain latent in the members, concealed as fire lies hidden under thick ashes, whence the sense might be suddenly rekindled throughout the limbs, and flame, as it were, rise from secret heat. But by what means this change from wakefulness to sleep is produced, and how the soul may be disturbed, and the body languish, I will explain. Do you, my friend, take care that I may not pour out my words to the winds? In the first place, it necessarily happens that the body, since it is touched by the breezes of the air to which it is exposed, must be externally assailed and harassed by the frequent impulse of that air. And for this reason, almost all animated bodies are covered with hide, or even with shells, or with hard skin, or bark. This same air, likewise, impinges on the interior part of the body of animals, when, as they breathe, it is drawn in and respired. For which reason, when the body is affected from both causes, and when assaults penetrate through the small pores of our frame to its primary parts and first elements, a labefactation, as it were, takes place by degrees throughout our members, for the positions of the elements of the body and mind are disturbed, so that part of the soul is drawn forth from them, and part retires hidden into the interior. Part also, dispersed throughout the limbs, cannot remain united together, nor perform its ordinary motions mutually with the other parts, for nature obstructs the communications and passages, and therefore, the motions of the atoms being changed, sense wholly fails. And since there remains nothing that can, as it were, prop up the limbs, the body becomes weak, and all its members languish, the arms and the eyelids fall, and the hams often subside with a sinking lassitude, and relax their strength. Sleep, too, follows upon taking food, because food, while it is being distributed through all the veins, produces the same effects which the air produces, and that sleep is far the most heavy which you take when full or weary, because most of the atoms of the frame are then disturbed, being shaken with much effort. 
By the same means, a deeper concussion in the substance of the soul takes place, as well as a larger ejection of it without, and it becomes more divided in itself and distracted within. And in general, as each of us, having pursued any study, is devoted to it in his thoughts, or in whatever occupation we have been much engaged previously, and the mind has been more exerted in that pursuit, we seem, for the most part, to go through the same employments in sleep. Lawyers seem to plead causes and to make laws, generals to fight and engage in battles, sailors to wage settled war with the winds, and myself to pursue this work and investigate perpetually the nature of things and to explain it when discovered in the language of my country. Thus other studies and arts seem generally, in sleep, to occupy the minds of men with delusions. And whatsoever persons have given continual attention to games and spectacles for many days in succession, we generally see that, in those persons, when they have ceased to observe those objects with their bodily senses, there are yet passages remaining open in the mind where the same images of the same objects may enter. For very many days, therefore, those same images are presented before their eyes so that they seem, even when awake, to see figures dancing and moving their pliant limbs and to listen with their ears to the liquid music and speaking chords of the lyre, and likewise to perceive the same assembly and to contemplate, at the same time, the various decorations of the scene shining before them. Of so great influence is study and inclination, and so much difference does it make in what pursuits not only men, but indeed all animals, have been accustomed to be engaged. For you will see stout horses, when their limbs shall be stretched in sleep, yet perpetually perspiring and panting, and apparently exerting their utmost strength for the palm of, of victory, or often starting in their sleep as if the barriers were just set open. And the dogs of huntsmen, when stretched in gentle repose, often throw out their legs on a sudden, and hurriedly utter cries, and frequently draw in the air with their nostrils, as if they were pursuing the newly discovered traces of wild beasts. And oftentimes, after they are awakened, they follow in imagination the empty images of stags, as if they saw them turned to flight, until, their delusions being dispelled, they return to their senses. And the fawning breed of dogs that are accustomed to the house begin at times to rouse themselves and start up from the ground, just as if they saw strange faces and looks. And the more fierce any breeds are, the more must the same breeds show fierceness in their sleep. But various birds likewise take flight, and suddenly disturb with their wings the groves of the gods during the night if, 
In their quiet sleep, hawks have appeared, pursuing and flying after them, to offer battle and threaten hostilities. Moreover, the minds of men, whatever great things they effect with vast efforts in the day, frequently perform and carry on the same things also during their sleep. Kings storm cities, are taken prisoners, join battle, raise a cry as if they were being stabbed on the spot. Many struggle desperately, and utter groans as if in pain, and fill all parts around with loud shrieks, as if they were torn by the bite of a panther or savage lion. Many in sleep speak of important matters, and men have often made in dreams a revelation of their own guilt. Many apparently die. Many show terror through their whole frame, like persons who are casting themselves to the ground from high mountains, and, as if deprived of their senses, so disturbed are they by the agitation of their body, scarcely, after sleep, recover themselves. A thirsty man, also, in his dream, often sits near a river or pleasant fountain, and almost swallows up the whole stream with his mouth. Boys, too, bound fast in sleep, fancy that, being near a tank or broken vessel, they are raising up their garment, and pour forth the bottled liquid of the whole body, when the Babylonian coverlets, of magnificent splendor, are saturated. Or when at length the full ripe hour is reached of vigorous manhood, and the genial stores crowd through the members, ceaseless then at night, forms of the fair, of look and hue divine, rush on the spirit, and the ducts of love so stimulate where throngs the new-born tide, that, as the tender toil were all achieved, full flows the stream, and drowns the snowy vest. For, as we erst have sung, the seeds of life first spring when manhood first the frame confirms, and as on various functions various powers alone can act propulsive, human seeds by naught but human beauty can be roused. These, when once gendered from their cells minute, or every limb, or every organ spread, crowd in full concourse towards the nervous fount, by nature reared appropriate, whence abrupt excite they oft, as forms of beauty rise, the scenes at hand, the regions ruled by love. Then springs the tender tumour, the warm wish full o'er the foe, the luscious wound who deals with dexterous aim to pour the high-wrought charge, and full contending in the genial fight. So falls the victim on the part assailed, with the red blood the glistening bruise so swells, and o'er the assassin flows the tide he draws. So he who feels the shaft of love propelled from the dear form that charms him towards the spot, aims, whence the wound proceeds, supreme he pants to join the contest, and from frame to frame pour the rich humor, for the fierce desire, now felt, 
assures how vast the bliss to come. This, this is Venus, this he deems true love, hence flow the drops delicious that the heart erode hereafter, and its train of cares. For, though the form adored be absent, still her phantoms haunt the lover, and his ear rings with her name, whate'er the path pursued. Yet fly such phantoms from the food of love, abstain, libidinous, to worthier themes. Turn, turn thy spirit, let the race at large thy liberal heart divide, nor lavish, gross, or one fond object thy exhausted strength, gendering long cares and certain grief at last. For love's deep ulcer fed grows deeper still, rank and more poisonous, and each coming day augments the madness, if the wretch, perchance, heal not old wounds by those of newer date, from fair to fair wide wandering, or his mind turned from such subjects to pursuits unlike. Nor are the joys of love from those shut out, who brutal lust avoid, the pure of heart, far surer pleasures and of nobler kind reap than the wretch of lewd and low desires who in the moment of enjoyment self still fluctuates with a thousand fears subdued or the fair wanton dubious long who hangs what charm his eyes his hands shall first devour till fixed at length with furious force the spot painful he presses through his luscious lips drives his keen teeth, and every kiss indents, striving in vain for joys unmixed, and urged by latent stimulus the part to wound, where'er its seat that frenzies thus his soul. But Venus softly smooths the wrongs endured, and mutual pleasures check the lover's rage. Then hopes he, too, in the same form to quench the maddening fires where first the flame arose. Vain hope, by every fact disproved, for this, the more the soul possesses, still the more craves she with keenest ardor. Foods and drinks, as through the frame they pass, by toil worn out, fill many a huge interstice, Obvious whence dies the dread sense of hunger and of thirst, But human beauty and the rosy cheek, With naught the panting lover can endow but fruitless hopes, But images unsound, scattered by every wind. As oft the man, parched up with thirst, Amid his dreams to drink strives, but in vain, Since naught around him flows but void, unreal semblances of floods, so with her votaries sports the power of love, false phantoms soul-presenting, nor can sight, where'er it rove, be sated with the gaze, nor can the lover's lawless fingers tear aught from his idol, or her as he hangs, and the full power of every charm explores. E'en when in youth's prime flower his panting frame enclasps her frame that pants, when all his soul expects the coming bliss, 
and Venus waits to sow the fertile field, though then amain in amorous fold he press her, lip to lip, join, and drink deep the dulcet breath she heaves, tis useless all, for still his utmost rage cannot subtract, nor through the fair one force his total frame commingled with herself. Yet oft thus strives he, or thus seems to strive, so strong the toils that bind him, so complete melt all his members in the sea of love. And though, when now the full collected shock pours from the nerves, some transient pause ensue, yet short its period, the fond fever soon, the frenzy quick returns, and the mad wretch still pants to press that which he pressed before, nor aught of antidote exists, so deep pines he, perplexed, beneath the latent ill. Then, too, his form consumes, the toils of love waste all his vigor, and his days roll on in vilest bondage. Amply though endowed, his wealth decays, his debts with speed augment, the post of duty never fills he more, and all his sickening reputation dies. Meanwhile rich unguents from his mistress laugh, laugh from her feet soft Sikon's shoes superb, the green-rayed emerald o'er her dropped in gold gleams large and numerous, and the sea-blue silk deep-worn enclasps her with the moisture drunk of love illicit. What his sires amassed now flaunts in ribbons, in tiara's flames full o'er her front, and now to robes converts of Chian loose or Aladonian mould, while feasts and festivals of boundless pomp, and costliest viands, garlands, odors, wines, and scattered roses ceaseless are renewed. But fruitless every art, some bitter still wells forth perpetual from his font of bliss, and poisons every floweret. Keen remorse goads him, perchance, for dissipated time, and months on months destroyed, or from the fair haply some phrase of doubtful import darts, that, like a living coal, his heart corrodes, or oft her eyes wide wander, as he deems, and seek some happier rival, while the smile of smothered love half dimples o'er her cheeks. Such are the ills that on amours attend, most blessed and prosperous. But on those adverse throng myriads daily, obvious and more keen. Hence, by the muse forewarned, with studious heed, shun thou the toils that wait. For easier far those toils to shun than, when thy foot once slides, to break than tangling meshes and be free. Yet though ensnared, and in the silly net led captive, thou mayst still, if firm of mine, and by these numbers swayed, thy foot release. First the defects, then, of the form adored, of mind, of body, 
let thy memory ne'er one hour forget for these full oft mankind see not by passion blinded while reversed charms they bestow which never were the fairs hence frequent view we those each grace denied the coarse the crooked held in high esteem and lovers laugh o'er lovers and exhort offerings to venus since so vilely swayed while yet themselves are swayed more vilely still to such the black assume a lovely brown the rank and filthy negligence and ease the red-eyed is a palace the firm-limbed all bone a bounding row the pygmy dwarf a sprightly grace all energy and wit the huge and bulky dignified and grand the stammerer lisps the silent is sedate the pert virago spirit all and fire the hectic fine and delicate of frame the victim worn with pulmonary cough on life's last verge a maid of matchless waste the broad big-bosomed series full displayed as from the bed of bacchus the flat-nosed of monkey shape a satyr from the woods and the broad-lipped a nymph for kisses formed but countless such conceits and to narrate idle yet grant the frame adored possessed of face divine that all the power of love plays o'er each limb symphonious others still exist of equal beauty still ourselves once lived without her and full well we know she too each art essays the baser need and so with sense bedaubs her that her maids far fly oppressed and vent their smothered laugh then too the wretched lover oft abroad bars she who at her gate loud weeping stands kissing the walls that clasp her with perfumes bathing the splendid portals and around scattering rich wreaths and odiferous flowers yet when at length admitted the first breath so deep offends him he some motive seeks instant to quit her his long-laboured speech of suffering drops and owns himself a fool that for one moment he could deem her crowned with charms the race of mortals ne'er can boast this know full well the paphian nymphs and deep behind the scenes of action each defect strive they to hide from him they fain would sway but vain the attempt for oft the mind will guess the latent blemish and the laugh unfold whence those of soul ingenious frankly own frequent those faults which none can all escape yet not forever do the softer sex feign joys they feel not as with close embrace breast joined to breast their paramours they clasp and print their humid kisses on their lips oft from their hearts engage they urged amain by mutual hopes to run the race of love thus nature prompts by mutual hopes alone by bliss assured birds beasts and grazing herds 
the task essay nor would the female else e'er bear the burden of the vigorous male by mutual joys propelled hast thou not seen hence tempted how in mutual bonds they strive worked off to madness how the race canine stain with their vagrant loves the public streets diversely dragging and the chain obscene tugging to loose while yet each effort fails toils they would ne'er essay if unassured of mutual bliss and cheated to the yoke whence o'er and o'er the bliss must mutual prove if when the male his genial energy imparts the female deep her breath retract transported most the race produced will then from female store prove female if reversed from store paternal male but when the form blends both its parents features it ascends from equal powers of each the impulse warm rousing alike through each conflicting frame the seeds of latent life in scale so nice that neither conquers nor to conquest yields oft view we too the living lines portrayed of ancestors remote for various seeds commingled various through the parent frame lurk which from race to race preserve entire the form the features of the anterior stock diversely such the power creative blends whence oft the voice revives the hair the hue the full complexion of the race deceased for these as sure from seeds defined ascend as e'en the face the body or the limbs then too though male the fetus female stores aid the production while if female formed the tide paternal mixes in the make for both must join or naught can e'er ensue but obvious this that when the semblance more inclines to either the prevailing sex chief lent the seeds of life and reared complete the virgin embryo or incipient man nor ever interfere the gods above in scenes like these the genial soil lock up or curse with barren love the man unblessed no lovely race who boasts to hail him sire as deem the many who in sadness drowned oft offer victims and with fragrant gums kindle the blazing altar wearying heaven vainly to fill the void reluctant womb for blank sterility from seeds ascends too gross or too attenuate if the last ne'er to the regions that generic spread cleave they rejected instant as propelled but if too gross the genial atoms dull move they and spiritless or never urged with force sufficient or if power devoid the puny ducts to pierce or pierced to blend harmonious with the vital fluid found for love harmonious whence increase alone can spring oft differs largely easier far some filling some and others easier filled and gravid made by others whence 
at times those many a hymen who have erst essayed vainly at length the appropriate stores acquire and feel the lovely load their wombs enrich while he perchance whose prior bands forbade all the fond hope of offspring happier now a mate has found of more concordant powers and boasts a race to prop his crumbling age so much imports it that the seeds of life with seeds should mix symphonious that the gross condense the rare the rare the gross dilute and man with woman duly paired unite much too concerns it what the foods employed for some augment the genial stores and some dissolve their crasis and all power destroy nor small the moment in what mode is dealt the bland delight the sage who views minute herds and the savage tribes by nature led holds that the virtuous matron chief conceives when with subsiding chest and loins erect her dulcet charms she offers fittest then the luscious tide to absorb for naught avail exerted motions the perpetual heave of frame high strained and ever laboring lungs these rather urged beneath the tender fray all fruit prohibit since the genial share oft turn they from the furrow as it holds its course direct and break the impinging shock and hence the wanton mistress acts like these frequent indulges to preclude increase and more transport the lawless form she clasps arts the chaste matron never needs essay nor from the darts of venus nor the smile of gods above is she of homelier make frequent beloved the praise is all her own by her own deeds by cleanliness most chaste and sweet consenting manners the delight lives she of him who blends his lot with hers such virtues must prevail and day or day perfect their power for though of gentlest kind yet urged perpetual such the sternest heart must gradual soften and at length subdue hast thou not seen the fountain's falling drops scoop in long time the most obdurate stone end of section 12 book 4 part 3 end of book 4